if uh, we can get the Apostles' Creed there up there on the screen, I'd, I'd love it if you would join me, whether you're here or online. Just join me in, in reading the Apostles' Creed. And since you're here, why don't you stand with me? We can do that. You can stand at home too, but that's kind of weird. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you. This is our last, last uh, day of the series on the creed, and, and so just a little bit of a wrap-up, and then the last statement. And it's important to know that when you read the creed, uh, it's important to see in it that it is very important to the creed that the physical world, creation, is important. Right? We be it begins with the created world. God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Creator. And then, today, we're going to close by talking about the resurrection of what? The body. Also created. So the creed bookends with material things, right? God is creator of both the spiritual and the physical. That's why the creed calls him creator of heaven and earth. That was their wording for the spiritual and the physical. And not only is creation uh, important, but at the beginning and end, but in the middle of the creed, we see Jesus entering into creation, God stepping into creation, right? And then when Jesus is crucified, leaves his following, then the Holy Spirit becomes the, the role of, of this in the world, continuing heaven and earth. And we know that the authors of the creed were com combating this idea of Gnosticism, which we won't get into too much, but it was this idea that knowledge and special knowledge was our salvation. And there's a whole lot more to that. But there were lots of thoughts that resurrection was simply a spiritual matter not the body. And some even thought that Jesus didn't come in the body, but only in the spirit. And that leads to all sorts of issues for us in our faith. But if the creed was written in response to all of these Gnostic ideas, then what does that have to do with us today? How is it important to us? And to be honest, I still think many Christians think that it is knowledge that saves us and special knowledge I'm speaking of intellectual or head knowledge. And this is evident in lots of places. We think you have to correctly agree with right doctrine and all of that. And there is some of that, and we, we need to agree with that. But we also need to remember that it is Jesus that does the saving, not our intellect. So the journey of faith in God is not about beginning with correct knowledge. Anybody 
Remember what you first thought about God? Do you think about that anymore? Do you think that way anymore? And it actually doesn't end with correct knowledge of God. In fact, if we began with correct knowledge, what would be the impetus for us to get to know him better? Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his justice, and these things shall be added to you. It seems to me that when we think this way, we we want to have a grasp on God, to hold him in our hands. But the reality is that God has a grasp on us, and he holds us in his hands. He is the one that does the holding. And for me, it isn't that God isn't knowable, that our intellect is not, it's not worth thinking about, or it's not worth trying to get things right, but more that God is infinitely knowable, that the more that we know about him, the more we find that there is to know about him. I think we can only receive small amounts of God. There's a great picture of this in the Old Testament when Moses wants to see God's face. And the Bible says, no one can see God and live. So, so Moses could only see God's backside. And I wonder if that's true for us. We can only know a little bit at a time. It'd be too much for us. And so we come to the last line of the creed, the resurrection of the body and life eternal or life everlasting. And I find it interesting that the creed states this this simple thing, that we believe in the resurrection of the body. Because to me, it implies that they already believed in the resurrection of the spirit. There wasn't even a question. They didn't even need to add it there. And we need to remember that we've said all along, the creed was recited at baptism. And what is baptism but the symbol of our death and resurrection? The spirit in baptism has already been resurrected in Christ. The body just needs to catch up. Or maybe the spirit needs to grow enough to be able to handle the new body. C.S. Lewis wrote on that, he said, when you are learning to ride, they give you unimpressive horses. Only when you are ready for it are you allowed an animal that will gallop and jump. I love that imagery. Maybe just like Moses asked to see God and isn't able to handle it, maybe we just aren't quite ready for new wheels. Imagine if we were given a resurrected body now. We've done a lot of harm with these jalopies. Imagine with brand new Ferraris. 1 Corinthians 15, 35 to 56. Some of you have asked, How will the dead be raised to life? What kind of bodies will they have? Don't be foolish. A seed must die before it can sprout from the ground. Wheat seeds and other seeds look different from the sprouts that come up. This is because God gives everything the kind of body he wants it to have. People, animal, birds, and fish are each made of flesh, but none of them are alike. Everything in the heavens has a body, and so does everything on earth. But each one is very different from all the others. The sun isn't like the moon, the moon isn't like the stars, and each star is different. That's how it will be when our bodies are raised to life. These bodies will die, but the bodies that are raised will live forever. These ugly and weak bodies, that's rude, these ugly and weak bodies will become beautiful and strong, 
As surely as there are physical bodies, there are spiritual bodies, and our physical bodies will be changed into spiritual bodies. The first man was named Adam, and the scriptures tell us that he was a living person. But Jesus, whom we make, who may be called the last Adam, is a life-giving spirit. We see that the one with a spiritual body did not come first. He came after the one who had a physical body. The first man was made from the dust of the earth, but the second man came from heaven. Everyone on earth has a body like the body of the one who was made from the dust of the earth, and everyone in heaven has a body like the one, of, one who came from heaven. My friends, I want you to know that our bodies of fresh, flesh and blood will decay. This means that they cannot share in God's kingdom, which lasts forever. I will explain a mystery to you. Not every one of us will die, but we will all be changed. It will happen quicker than the blink of an eye. At the sound of the last trumpet, the dead will be raised. We will all be changed so that we will never die again. Our dead and decaying bodies will be changed into bodies that won't die or decay. The bodies we have now are weak and can die, but they will be changed into bodies that are eternal. Then the scriptures will come true. Death has lost the battle. Where is its victory? Where is its sting? Sin is what gives... Sin is what gives death its sting, and the law is the power behind sin. It's a long piece of scripture with lots of imagery. But I love the imagery of the body being a seed planted in the ground. And it is interesting that our practice has been to plant bodies in the ground, isn't it? When we're dead. And we know that all the information for a tree is evident in the seed before it's planted. And while the seed doesn't look like the tree, it still carries the sameness. And just as God renews our hearts and our souls, our bodies will be renewed. A friend of mine with a bad back is saying this morning, I'm looking forward to a new body. But we do not simply wait around for death so that we can enjoy these new bodies. Philippians 3, 10 to 14, Paul says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already achieved perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Jesus Christ first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Since we've already experienced the resurrection of our spirit, we live in the kingdom now, partially, even though we aren't fully ready, right? We pray just like Jesus did, the one whom we follow, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus calls us to follow him into his life, a life like his, a death like his, and a resurrection like his. Colossians 1.18 says, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have supremacy. He's the firstborn from among the dead. And Romans 6.5 says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. It's interesting to think about Jesus' resurrection, isn't it? 
Because I think most of us have this picture of this perfect body for eternity. One that, like C.S. Lewis says, jumps and gallops. We have a different thought, though, on what beautiful and perfect is. Because Jesus is resurrected with scars. Scars on a perfect body. That, that doesn't seem like how we think of beauty. But what, is, what does Jesus say to Thomas? He says, put your fingers here in the holes in my hand. Put your hand into my side. And I wonder, will our scars show up in our resurrected body? We tend to think of scars only as wounds, as reminders of pain. But I wonder if we keep them because God sees them as beautiful. Maybe they are signs of his healing more than signs of our pain. What if the scars on my ankle from being run over as a teenager shine brightly as a reminder of God's protection? What if the needle marks in someone's arm are forever seen as reflecting the grace, the forgiveness of Jesus? And I realize these are just thoughts. They're just thoughts of what might be. But may it help us in our interaction with others, even in this body. What scars do you have that might reflect something of the healer? And what scars do you see on others that you see, but you may transform from wounds or brokenness into signs of love and forgiveness? And this beauty of the resurrection body also includes all of creation. As I said, the creed is very strong on creation. A new heaven and a new earth. Even as our bodies are transformed, creation will be transformed. Romans 8, 18 to 22, Paul writes, I am sure that we are suffering, what we are suffering now cannot compare with the glory that will be shown to us. In fact, all of creation is eagerly waiting for God to show who his children are. Meanwhile, creation is confused, but not because it wants to be confused. God made it this way in hope that creation would be set free from decay and would share in the glorious freedom of his children. We know that all creation is still groaning as in pain, like a woman about to give birth. Even as we think about bodies that may never experience pain, that are renewed, we can imagine a new earth that is renewed, clean, clean water for everyone. It says it will share in the glorious freedom of his children. The earth will share in the glorious freedom of God's children. That's incredible. The author of Revelation speaks about a new heaven and earth, and the word new is kahinos, and it means fresh. Not found exactly as it was before. Just like our bodies, creation will be fresh and not exactly as before. And then we come to end everlasting life or eternal life. John writes in John 17, eternal life is to know you, the only true God, and to know Jesus Christ, the one you sent. 
It's important for us to know that eternal life is not about the length of time. Although there is some part of that time, I'm not sure time exists beyond death. But it's about our relationship. It's about the quality of life based in the eternal one. Jesus said that. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I know that some people struggle with the thought of everlasting life. I've, I've heard teachers say, I don't want to live forever. What would we do? And sometimes the things that it talks about in Revelation, I don't want to do forever either. But this might reflect more of a dissatisfaction with our life now than about what life would be. Right? Jesus said that I've come that you might have life and full life. That is life everlasting, beginning now, not waiting until we're dead. It is our resurrection with Christ now and later. And while it's good to think of resurrected bodies and new creation, uh, good to think of resurrected bodies and new creation, eternal life, my hope is that when we think on these things, we don't do it to escape right now. There's that old saying, so heavenly minded, no earthly good. Our hope and resurrection can be found in our experience of Jesus now. And the goodness in even this fallen world. If this decaying, decaying creation is this incredible, imagine what a fresh earth, what fresh people are like. It's beyond imagination. So we can look forward to what is next, what is beyond the horizon, but we should not use it to escape the now, where we are right now. God has given us now. It is a gift. We are here. And we can begin to experience eternity now. Let me pray with you. Father God, we are thankful that you are the eternal one and that it is in you we find new life, both now and forever. God, we pray that even as we look forward to tomorrow, new bodies, new earth, God, that we would be present to the suffering around us. Help us to find hope in the now. We ask these things in your name. Amen.